What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, you can follow our t- Twitter and Facebook pages uh, for the latest updates. Uh, this week, we got uh, Mark Baselli on the program. Mark's uh, dropping by to talk uh, some Bruins this week. Uh, Mark, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, just always excited to talk puck in general, but uh, definitely as we approach free agency and, and all that uh, fun cap space stuff. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned fun cap space stuff. It's uh, one heck of a cap hell or whatever the heck you want to call it uh, for this team in particular this summer. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone knew that it was coming. And it was going to be worth the headache if this team had done what everyone thought it was going to do. And then, you know, when they have their early exit against Florida that we all don't want to talk about anymore. And uh, it's painful to think about. It becomes a lot more harsh because this team went all in, which they should have done. You know, they would have been criticized had they not, uh, you know, gone all in at the trade deadline and and acquired Dimitri Orlov and Garnet Hathaway and Tyler Bertuzzi uh, and then lost in the manner that they did. So, you knew that this was going to be a difficult summer and you're already seeing it. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, but I also am far more bullish on Don Sweeney than the majority of Bruins fans. And I, I believe that there's a plan in place that we're going to see manifest itself over these next few days. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. You know, I think that there is something going on and maybe, I mean, we're certainly not, you know, privy to all this stuff going on, but um you know, yeah, it's going to be an interesting next couple of days. You know, the draft, there weren't really any, you know, major trades around that time. You know, maybe we see some after free agency starts. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the moves that have, moves that have already been made, you know, the trade for uh, or the trade of Taylor Hall to, to Chicago. What were your kind of thoughts about that? So Taylor Hall is a player who I... Initially, after the season ended, I thought the Bruins should be open to moving him in the sense that, okay, you're, while everyone still is crossing their fingers and toes and everything that Patrice Bergeron decides to come back for one final ride, hmm. you're building around your next core, which is headlined by Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak, uh, and, you know, hopefully players like Mason LeRae and uh, Fabian Lysel coming up soon, but the majority of your next core is anywhere between ages, you know, 24 to 28, you know? And so Taylor Hall is a little bit older than that. You know, he's 31 years old, going to be 32. Uh, he doesn't quite fit into that, uh, that, you know, that next core. I know that Brad Marchand is still here as well, but he's right. a little bit of an exception. He's got uh, no trade protection. Uh, he's, he's, he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if their intent was to, uh, you know, send Taylor Hall out and retain Tyler Bertuzzi, or if Tyler Bertuzzi does end up leaving someone similar in age and production, then I completely understand that. I did think that there was going to be the option to retain some sort of value back yeah. for Taylor Hall in the sense of maybe uh, recouping a draft pick because this team is very light on draft picks or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, some well-regarded prospects. Not that the the two defensive prospects that they got back, uh, you know, can't contribute. They certainly you know did well for themselves there. It, this organization was 
barren when it came to right-hand defenseman depth. And they they got two who, at the very least, can be in the pipeline in Providence, if not compete for uh, you know for a spot uh, on the NHL roster, you, potentially replacing Connor Clifton because Clifton has definitely priced himself out of Boston with his play. I know that people weren't high on his postseason. Um, you know, he made some mistakes there, but he had a really good year for Boston, and he definitely priced himself out of a return. So mm-hmm. could, would you have liked to see them get more for Taylor Hall? Yes. I understand the logic of moving him if you're doing a little bit of a retool and, again, you know, just trying to get a little bit younger. Um, but when you're pressed up against the cap like the Bruins are, there aren't a ton of teams that are going to do you some favors. So Chicago wanted to add Taylor Hall. They knew that they had the Bruins in a little bit of a disadvantage. The only concern, and again, we need to know the full picture before we really judge something in full, but my only concern here is you didn't need to make this move yet. Like the the NFL and the NBA are different than the NHL. The NHL, you don't have to be cap compliant on July 1st. You can go 10% over the cap um, uh, you know, as long as you're no more than 10% over, uh, you know, you don't have to be compliant until opening night. So the Bruins didn't have to move Hall just yet. Yeah. You know, the initial thought was, oh, well, they must have a deal, you know, locked and loaded for Bertuzzi. That doesn't seem to be the case because it is reported now that he's going to, uh, he's going to be testing the open market, which doesn't mean he's gone, but it, it there's obviously a lot of risk there. Uh, so that's probably my only pause. Okay, you didn't have to do this yet because if there was no 2023 draft picks coming back to you, Chicago probably still would have done this deal next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I was listening to uh, a podcast with Ty Anderson, and he was saying something similar that, you know, he was surprised that Hall was kind of the first domino to drop, that, okay, you know, you could have moved someone else, you know, bought, bought someone else out. But, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, it's difficult to judge when we don't have the full picture. We don't really know if there's another trade, if there's going to be something, you know, crazy that happens, but I agree. I probably would have liked to see if they could get a draft pick out of that trade. But then again, you know, as you said, teams probably aren't super wild to helping the Bruins when they're in the situation that they were in. Um, so talking about Bertuzzi, um, you know, obviously it would be great if he was back, but he doesn't come back. What, what do you think they might look to do? So if Bertuzzi isn't back, it would be a shame because uh, I know the people aren't wild about, uh, you know, he, he does turn the puck over a decent amount. Uh, he's not the greatest defensive forward. But one thing that he did do very well is he fit like a glove with David Pasternak and a line of Pasternak and Bertuzzi centered by uh, Pavel Zaka, I think would, because Pavel, Pavel Zaka will be playing center next year for, for this team. Uh, you know, that, that uh, the great extension for him. He's definitely going to be underpaid for his production as a, a second or third line center. Uh, that, that line would have been very efficient offensively. Uh, you know, he was great in the power play as well. He goes to the dirty areas. Uh, so if he doesn't return, then my expectation would be that they explore the trade market because Bertuzzi is probably the best free agent forward that's hitting the market. Uh, and that's why he is not extending most likely because uh, the Bruins have not overextended themselves. Uh, I am assuming, I don't know what they're offering him, but you'd have to think that if he had extended before hitting the open market, the Bruins probably would have 
overpaid. So he's going to see what's out there. He could always come back, uh, but it's you know you lose a lot of control once uh, you know once the clock strikes noon on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my expectation would be uh, they explore the trade market. They might already be talking trade for all we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be my expectation because uh, you know there's probably not a free agent forward who's going to be an instant top six fit for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so exploring the market via trade, they still have assets that they can move. Uh, you know. Again, I think that Matt Grizzlick is a player who most likely is moved. Um, you know, he's approaching 30, undersized defenseman, despite what Bruins fans will tell you, a very effective defenseman, but undersized defensemen entering their 30s, not a, exactly a great idea to pay those guys, you know, four, five, six years uh, at an ascending salary, even with the cap going up. Uh, so I think Matt Grizzlick is probably a trade target. He could fetch you. Um, not an, a top six forward, but as part of a larger deal, he could probably bring back uh, you know an impact forward for you. And I'm still not completely sold that the Bruins are bringing back both their goalies. Um, I they they don't know what Jeremy Swayman is going to be making yet. He's obviously an RFA. Mm-hmm. Offer sheets rarely happen anymore uh, in the National Hockey League, so I don't think he's really a threat to be poached. And if he is, you get, you know, compensation back uh, for him leaving. Absolutely. But my expectation would be if the Bruins do need to make a trade, uh, a larger trade, a hockey trade to bring back an impact forward and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, alleviate their cap situation to begin with. Grizzlick and Olmark are two of the guys who I expect to be moved. Um, you know, you'd be selling high on Olmark because mm-hmm. he just won the Vezina Trophy. He has two years left in his deal at a reasonable salary. Teams will be interested. And we've seen this enough with goalies to know that you have a career year, somewhat out of nowhere, uh, nowhere because Olmark had a respectable first season uh, for the Bruins in net. It, it, you know, it, it was not the level that we saw this year. If the Bruins believe in their defensive system, uh, which they, they do across multiple head coaches, I think that they are very confident in bringing back Schwayman and have him be not your bell cow. Cause that really doesn't exist in the NHL anymore, but you know, be your uh, you know, the guy who starts 45, 50 games for you. Um, and then either have Brandon Bussey come up to, uh, you know, to be your backup. Uh, they have already extended him, you know, on a two way deal. So, you know, he is in the fold for next year. You could either have him be your backup or they could try and find a, a cheap veteran backup as well. But with this cap conundrum that they're in, Swayman, I expect to get anywhere between three and a half to four million um, on a new deal. Nine million in cap space for the goalie position this year is just not feasible for this team. Next year, when the cap's going to go up by five and a half, six million, it it would have been. But unfortunately, they they were really victims of the NHL Board of Governors deciding that no, we can't raise the salary cap because the escrow is not paid off yet. Just Cheap, 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 cheap. Uh, so the Bruins are victims of that, as well as, you know, some some signings uh, that, uh, you know, that that have come come back to bite them a little bit. But, uh, you know, they're, they're in a bit of a, uh, a situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about the trade market, it makes sense because you look at the guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents. It's like, you know, Alex Kalorn, who's, you know, 33, uh, you know, Max Domi possibly could be a, a, a like a fit there, but it's not anyone that's going to make you go, oh, okay, you know, that's someone that they could target if they lose Bertuzzi. It's kind of, 
not really as obvious, you know, in free agency, could they target someone in a trade? Absolutely. I don't know who that would be necessarily. Um, but yeah, you know, Grizzlick is a guy that I could see moved. I mean, I think if he's a guy that's now, this is the second coach in a row that he has been benched in playoff games, kind of is like, okay, if he's the odd man out, okay, what is he doing here? Um, you know, Omar can, and Swayman, I think I kind of go back and forth on the two, on two of them, because if you have the both of them, you know, you're going to have really good goaltending for another season. But then again, you know, as you said, you kind of in the cap crunch they're in, having two goalies that make nine million, it's like, okay, you might want to try to find some savings there. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. I am in no way suggesting that Linus Olmark's season was a fluke. Um, you know, it, it was an exceptional season that I don't think he'll replicate again, but even some sort of regression in performance is still going to be upper tier. Uh, so it is not a performance in the playoff thing either. I'm not a reactive person. I'm not going to say, oh, this guy stunk in the, the Florida series down the stretch, so we got to move him. No. In, if this were next year, and the Bruins were, you know, in, uh, you know, in a position where they had to, to, you know, pay Jeremy Swayman, um, you know, in an RFA year, they would definitely keep both of them around. Uh, unfortunately, the the cap jump is happening a year too late for them. I mean, just kind of briefly glancing at um, goalies who are going to be unrestricted free agents, because you mentioned that possibility that maybe they look to go Swayman and sign a cheap veteran. You know, just kind of quickly looking. There are not too many guys that are going to make you say, oh, okay, this guy could be good. But, you know, it's um, Anthony Stolarz, Thomas Grice, uh, James Reimer, Jonathan Quick, just looking through guys that could be like cheap backups, Alex Stalock, Martin Jones, you know, not anything that's going to be, you know, great necessarily. But you saw it with Vegas, like, you know, Aiden Hill was the goalie and brought them all the way to the cup. Now, I'm not saying that the Bruins are going to, you know, find someone in the bargain bin and go to the championship. But, um, you know, certainly that's a route that they could go. It is. It is. And uh, I was going to mention Aiden Hill uh, before you did. Yeah. Like you never know, <laughs> you know, the uh, goalie who is just an afterthought steps up in the postseason. Uh, again, that's, you're not going to plan on catching lightning in a bottle and, and winning a title that way. But it, it just goes to show you that, you know, you, if you bring in, uh, you know, a, a veteran, it's possible that uh, they can help you. And again, I just, I think that Swayman is too valuable of a goaltending piece for them to allow to, uh, you know, either, either sign an offer sheet somewhere and get draft picks back for them or even trade for some sort of return. I, I think that he is, uh, he's a player who has struggled at times with his rebound control when he's locked in, he is just uh, like, you can't get anything by him. Uh, and as he continues to develop, I really think that you have a high-end starter there and someone who this team would have continued on in the playoffs if if Jim Montgomery had played him sooner. Um, I People can check my tweet history. I was in favor of playing him after game four uh, and just in the sense that I thought Linus Olmark needed a break after playing you know that, that many games, uh, clearly was dealing with something physical. You know, if they had put Swayman in net earlier, they win that series, and who knows what happens after that. Um, so he's definitely a player you want to keep around. And I just think Olmark, if you're going to move him, he's not going to have as much value next year because he'll be on an expiring contract. And if there's any sort of regression in performance, this is when his value is going to be the highest. 
Two years left, $5 million a season. That's very affordable. There are a number of teams who need goalies. I know that Bruins fans probably wouldn't be thrilled to hear this, but uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are a great fit, assuming that they're not on Olmark's uh, no-trade list. Uh, they have no NHL goalies under contract. Um, you know, they have a number of, uh, they have a good deal of cap space. They could be a fit there and maybe give you, uh, you know, some assets back there. The LA Kings, I don't think are a fit anymore because they're, uh, they're a bit more tight to the cap after, for some reason, trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, but there, there is a team that I think would be interested um, in Ulmark. I, I genuinely thought that they would move him before the draft as well as Grizzly. I thought that, that, if they were going to move some of these these players, they would have done it to recoup 2023 draft picks, and they didn't do that. So it does cause you to wonder what exactly their you know their plan is. I believe that there is one, a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Uh, but it, it it makes you wonder what exactly if they're planning hockey trade, um, you know, or if they're you know planning more straight uh, you know salary dumps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Really, honestly, have no idea. But like you said, I thought that they probably would have made another trade before the draft. But you know, yeah, hard to know what what their plan is. You know, I think uh, defensively, I like what they have with McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo. But then after that, it's kind of like I'd be open to making a big trade to bring in like Noah Hannafin, for example, or another defenseman like that. But I don't know. You look at the the guys that are under contract with the forwards, they're only six and like, you need at least six more to sign. So I just, I, I don't know. It might be smarter to look uh, to trade for a forward rather than a defenseman. Well, the Bruins, Pierre Lebrun does, uh, does say that they're interested in Hannafin and um, he's tight with a number of Bruins players. I do know that, um, you know, he's obviously a local kid. I would have to think that if they are trading for him, they're pretty confident that they could extend him, um, which is something he's already said he's not going to do in Calgary. Calgary is going to move him. Um, I know that Florida is supposedly interested. There's a number of teams that are interested right now. Uh, you know, Calgary is saying they're not going to, you know, uh, sell low on him. It's hard to take that seriously considering they've sold low on, <laughs> on Tyler DeFoley. Um, uh, you know, it, they're probably gonna have to sell low on Elias Lindholm. I mean, I know that people, Bruins fans, are a little bit, uh, you know, panicked about how this offseason is going. Thank your lucky stars that you're not a Calgary Flames fan. There's not a soul that wants to resign there. Everyone wants to leave. Like that's a concern. That's a big time concern. Gosh. Yeah, it's that's crazy to think that they deal Kachuk last offseason, they lose Gaudreau, and now it's like, okay, they're going to lose everyone else. Yeah. Like uh, Hannafin has already kind of outright told them he's not extending. Lindholm, it seems like, has told them that as well, and they're trying to convince him uh, otherwise. I mean, you're going to have to overpay him if uh, if you want to convince him otherwise. But, you know, that's another reason why if the Bruins – listen, if they take a step back this year, it's not going to be a fun season, of course, but the Bruins are going to have a ton of flexibility next summer. They'll have a ton of cap space next up or uh, upwards of 20 million as of right now, depending on what other moves they make. And Elias Lindholm, a number of other, other players, uh, you know, they could get a number one center next summer. Uh, they, they'd have the flexibility to do that. I know that's not fun for Bruins fans to hear, um, but that's another reason why, you know, if 
uh, if they aren't able to get Tyler Bertuzzi to, to re-sign, if they're not able to find someone via trade market, the best option isn't, well, let's overpay the next best guy. Let's give, uh, you know, you'd mentioned Max Domi before. Let's pay Max Domi, you know, $6 million a season to come here. Like, let's not resort to overpaying uh, the next guy, uh, which then gives you less flexibility next offseason, uh, you know, be, because you're, you're frustrated. The reality is, regardless of what they do to uh, replace that second-line uh, left-wing production, they're going to have to have a number of players on entry-level contracts this upcoming season. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a reality, and they knew that. So, you know, Johnny Beecher, I expect to see Johnny Beecher up here next year. Mark McLaughlin, I expect to see one of them centering that fourth line. Uh, you know, you don't have the luxury of paying a, a guy like Thomas Nosek nearly $2 million to center your fourth line. You got to have someone on an entry level contract. Jakob Lauko, I would expect to assuredly be back. Um, I don't think Fabian Lysel is going to be in the NHL next season. It depends on what kind of training camp he has. Maybe he blows everyone away in camp. He makes the team, um, and they think that he could be a high upside player. Um, you know, and, and play third uh, third line right wing. Um, but I I think that uh, you know, that you're going to have a number of guys on entry level deals. Uh, Georgi Merkulov is another player who I think is absolutely going to be in Boston next year. Um, he has nothing really else to prove at the AHL level. Um, he can definitely score goals. Uh, there's still more to his game that he needs to develop, but he can come up here and score 15 to 20 goals. Uh, I think next season, depending on where he's playing. So there's going to be a number of players on entry level contracts for this team next year. And uh, it, it uh, listen, will it be a, a letdown if uh, you know if if they don't end up making a, a big uh, you know high priced addition and, uh, and the goal scoring drops off? Uh, you know they're fighting for a playoff spot, sure. But it's better to take a more strategic approach than to just spend like spend up to the cap, overpay players who aren't going to make a, that big of a difference just for the sake of making moves. Yeah, I think I think that that's the thing that concerns me that, you know, they're going to do exactly that and try to be like, oh, well, you know, we have to try to, you know, I don't know, make moves that we think are going to pay off. And rather, it just would make more sense to let some of these guys in Providence come up, you know, make mistakes, whatever, you know, if you have to struggle to make the playoffs, so be it. But it's like, it might make more sense in the long run. Um, and I honestly think like, even if it's a lot of AHL guys, you still have some high quality players. You know, you have Pasternak, you have McAvoy, you have Lindholm, you know, you have Martian, you have Zaka, you have DeBrusque, you have all these other pieces that like you could feasibly still make a playoff push. Um, and then obviously who knows what happens with the goaltending, but you know, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's more young guys up in Boston. There's a little bit of a struggle and, you know, whatever, if you miss the playoffs, so be it. But um, like you said, they're going to have a lot more flexibility next summer. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm glad you pointed that out because a lot of the narrative this past season, especially when the Pasternak extension was not agreed to yet, was, oh, my God, like we can't enjoy this season because uh, they're screwed coming up. They're still, and again, everything would have been more comfort, uh, comforting if they had uh, they had taken home the cup like uh, like everyone thought they were going to. But the reality is, they still have far too much talent on this roster to bottom out. Like yeah. they, 
at worst, they will be scratching and clawing for a playoff spot. Uh, they'll be playing meaningful games down the stretch. Um, you know, maybe they, if that's not the case, they end up selling at the trade deadline and, uh, and they, uh, and, and they get some assets for future, but again, they'll have a lot of flexibility next summer. And again, though, like free agency starts on Saturday, like the, uh, for all we know, uh, Don Sweeney can pull uh, like a, a Mark Shifley trade out of uh, out of nowhere, and suddenly people are saying, "Okay, interesting uh, outlook just changed quite a bit." So uh, I know that that you know people love to react in real time, and it's hard for me not to, especially when you when you see like the report from David Pagnota, uh, you know, just like an hour ago, like, "Yeah, Bertuzzi's definitely hitting the market." It's tough to not sit here and go, "What are you doing, Donnie?" Yeah, he's been doing this long enough that I trust that 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 he that he's not going to make a big mistake. And someone might uh, respond and go, "Well, signing Milan Lucic uh, is a mistake. Signing a, a player to a one year deal worth like eight hundred fifty nine hundred k that's not a mistake. Uh, I personally don't think that he has much left in the tank. But uh, if he can provide some mentorship for some of these young players who are certainly going to be on the team this year." That would go a long way. Um, so, it uh, I, I don't think that would. Uh, I, we haven't seen them make a dumb decision yet. We saw them make a salary dump that we knew they'd probably have to make. The mm-hmm. one thing I will say, if the Bruins do not end th- this off season, having gotten rid of Derek Forbert and Mike Riley from their roster, I'll have some questions. I'll have some questions because it just it doesn't make any feasible sense to have certainly both of them, but, uh, but I, I think either one, uh, Derek Forbert is by every measurable statistic, the worst defenseman on this team. Uh, he, if he had not played in that Florida series, I genuinely think that the outcome is different. Just simply, even with the, all the other issues that were going on, if Derek Forbert does not play in that series, they win that series. Um, I think, especially with teams like Anaheim, that need to spend money just to get to the salary cap floor. I think that if you attach a seventh round pick in 2025 or something, some, some sort of an asset uh, to take on uh, Derek Forbert uh, or Mike Riley, uh, if they're not bought up by tomorrow, they could either of them could still be bought out tomorrow. Um, if they, if they aren't moved off this team, I will have some questions because, you know, you need to clear salary. Those are, those, those are two players right there. They paid Mike Riley this year to, to play in Providence. Why would you do that again? You know, if, even if you have to buy him out, you're paying him anyway. Why not gain the cap space out of it? So if those players are not gone tomorrow or at some point in the offseason, I will be a tad frustrated because, you know, you're not looking to get – you're not getting anything in uh, in exchange for either of these guys. But there are teams that need to, uh, to spend money just to get to the salary cap floor and, you know – have, give them an asset to uh, to help alleviate your problem. Uh, I I hope that that ends up being done. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that earlier. Um, in terms of the buyouts specifically, Bruins haven't bought anyone out since Jimmy Hayes in 2017. So I don't know how likely that's going to be. I mean, I know that we would like to see them buy out. You know, maybe I mean probably one that one of those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't want to see Riley just sitting in Providence for another year. That doesn't really make any sense. So yeah, I mean, I think 
I'd like to see both of those guys get moved. It was obvious that Forward just was out of his depth in that Florida series. And it was frustrating because it did seem like, you remember last year, he kind of actually had a decent playoff series against Carolina. There was one game where he blocked, you know, seven, eight shots, but clearly, you know, just was not able to handle Florida's forecheck. And in fairness, really, none of the Bruins defensemen could. But yeah, you know, those two guys, I think it would be good. It would just be good to get them kind of off the roster and try to, you know, see if there's someone else that deserves to get more ice time. You know, Zaboral is someone that I think it would be nice to just see him get a legit run of play just to see what he can do. Yeah, Zaboral is a player who I was super high on, uh, and he was playing so well the season before last before getting hurt um, and missing the rest of that season. He never quite looked the same this year, but also it's very difficult to get into a rhythm when you're playing once every 10 games. Uh, you know, it's very difficult to do that when you're watching from the press box so often. So uh, he's still on a very manageable uh, $1.167 million uh, salary. Uh, like he is definitely a player who could, uh, you know, fill in on on your third pairing the next season. Um, he has enough experience in this point that I think you should feel, feel confident running him out there. So, again, <laughs> Just, it frustrates me. It frustrates me to see that. Uh, and I know that the Bruins are probably trying to exhaust every single scenario attaching them, uh, you know, to a draft pick to 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 ship mm-hmm. them out of town. But uh, Mike Riley should still be an NHL defenseman. He, you know, a a, a, thir- a third pairing defenseman, really. But you know, he's still an NHL defenseman. So paying him to be in Providence makes no financial sense, much less uh, you know uh, you know team building sense. So uh, I do think that he will be bought out. T- tomorrow's the last day that they can buy out players. Um, so uh, I do expect him to, to see him bought out tomorrow. Forbert, I'm less confident in. Uh, I think that, again, he's being paid less cash. Now their cap hits are the same, but he's being paid less in terms of actual dollars. So it probably will be easier to attach him to a draft pick. Um, so if they can you know, send him to a team like Anaheim, Chicago still has salary cap space that they need to, need to spend uh, even after making the, you know, some of their trades that they've uh, they've already acquired some players. But uh, if you can get a taker for him, so a player who can help you and, you know, it could alleviate some of your, your cap issues. And if they don't exercise a buyout, then that's a thousand percent on ownership, like ownership, not being willing to, to buy out a player uh, is hand is going to hamstring their hockey operations and that that would be a real shame um looking at someone else on the well when when you mentioned the the real dollars on forward i had to chuckle it's like a patriots thing uh some people might might understand uh the 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 funny thing there that uh certain people on the radio like to talk about real dollars with the patriots but that's (laughs) okay uh uh, Trent Frederick, that was the guy that I wanted to ask you about what your thought is. Um, so he's going to be a restricted free agent. Um, I'd like to think that he comes back. Um, but what, what do you think? What's your thought about him? What does his contract look like possibly? If you asked me a year ago, I would say get Tread Frederick the hell off my roster. Uh, I was pretty much done with him. And he's one of the players who under Jim Montgomery, absolutely blossomed um you know he had 
a clear definition of what his role was. He found confidence, scored a career high in goals. I think 15 to 20 goals is probably his ceiling, but that, uh, you know, being a middle six player who can score you 15 to 20 goals and bring you toughness. And now that he's playing in control, uh, some aggression and some grit, uh, he's a player who I definitely would expect them to bring back next year. Um, again, offer sheets rarely happen. Um, a team could offer sheet him if they, uh, you know, if they feel that, uh, you know, that they, that the Bruins are in a precarious position, but Ultimately, I think that they're able to, uh, that they'll be able to bring him back. What I have been thinking is probably like a three-year deal, anywhere between two and two and a half million is uh, what I think that, uh, that his next contract will look like. And I would love to have him back. He's a player who, if it turns out that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are, are neither are returning next year and you have to have your, your top two lines centered by Coyle and Zaka, um, he's a player who will center your third line. And I think that that is his natural position. Uh, he's played pretty much exclusively wing since uh, coming up here, but he is a natural center. Um, I think that he would do very, very well there. Or if Bergeron does decide to come back for one final season, uh, you know, you have him uh, bump out to the right wing again on Coyle's line. Uh, he's definitely a valuable player who I don't think they should just, uh, you know, allow to, to, you know, get offer sheeted somewhere and you get like a third round pick in, in exchange, depending on what his salary is. Uh, I, 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 do, I wouldn't like that. So uh, I would hope that they bring him back next year. And it is a situation like Swayman's that, you know, I don't expect it to be resolved like the first day or two of free agency. It could even drag into August. Uh, you know, RFA negotiations can sometimes be, you know, exhausting. They might go to arbitration. Um, so, uh, but ultimately, I do expect him to be back with the Bruins, and I would welcome that. Uh, he definitely is a player who I've eaten crow on uh, because, again, a year ago at this time, I was advocating for them to, you know, oh, well, it, this guy's utterly replaceable. I would have McLaughlin up here. I'd have Beecher up here. Uh, I was advocating for, you know, any player in Providence uh, over Trent Frederick, and he really proved me wrong this year. Very happy to see it. Yeah, yeah. He was a lot more kind of controlled in the way that he played uh, this year and, you know, clearly was able to provide a little bit of production, which is great, you know, and I think absolutely, you know, you mentioned if Bergeron and Krejci both, you know, choose to hang it up, he's a guy that could absolutely center the third line, which I think really would help out your team because you're really lacking in terms of center depth uh, at, at the moment. Um, so anything, anything else that you wanted to talk about or mention uh before we you know hit free agency on saturday or uh the buy-up deadline tomorrow i think we touched on just about everything yeah i mean again uh you got your two rfas and swayman and frederick who uh, i yeah again I, I i expect them both to be back but i just don't expect it to happen anytime soon hmm. um you know it, it could take a little bit i'd be i'd be surprised by as soon as I say that, they'll probably sign on Saturday. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I expect those to take a little bit of time. And uh, I just, I think that it is like, I'm like 95% sure that Matt Grizzlick is going to be moved. Um, you know, that if there's a move that I'm all but certain will be happening, it's that one. Um, not that I take pleasure in that. Uh, he, he's you know, a local guy. Uh, I, 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 I'm higher on him than a lot of Bruins fans, but, You'd mentioned it before. 
if multiple coaching staffs are now deciding that his lack of size is going to be a problem for them in the playoffs, unfairly, by the way, because if you go back to the Carolina series, the guy shouldn't even have been out there. His shoulder was hanging on by a strand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I he was one of the best transition defensemen they had this year. And against a, a heavy four-checking team like uh, like like the Panthers, that was actually a strength that they decided they were going to go away from. Very frustrating. But if they're not going to play him in the postseason, uh, it's very unlikely that they're going to then extend him into his 30s. So it just makes a lot of sense to move him again for maybe a future asset, um, you know, uh, 2024 second round pick uh, or as part of a larger trade. So um, that's definitely if I had to stake my claim to a move, it's definitely going to be made. I think that would be it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, Mark, it was great having you on. Uh, where can the where can the uh, folks find you? So I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. I think my account is safe. I'm one of the apparently thousands of people who got that uh, warning the other day uh, saying that my account was marked for spam, which I guess is happening if you try to like mute or block promoted ads. Um, but uh, I'm, I, uh, my account still works, so you can, you can still find me there for now. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, great having you, Mark. And uh, yeah, folks, we'll be uh, back with you next week. See ya.